Hello and welcome to episode 116 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon. I'm a chartered psychologist and coach, and I'm joined as ever by my co-host Pilar Orti. Pilar, how are you doing today? I am doing really, really well, I have to say. So uh, hi, Richard. Hi, listeners. And Richard, how are you doing? Um, it's nice to hear. I'm doing really well. I'm just back from uh, a much-needed holiday, so oh. I'm feeling very refreshed and very full <laughs> of beans. Excellent. Well, you sound very zen, so I'm <laughs> looking forward to the episode, uh, which is going to be about what? Well, I had a conversation a few weeks ago with some clients in a training session, and it, and it kind of deviated from our <laughs> our plan uh, for a little while, but it was really illuminating, and I thought we would we would turn it into an episode for the podcast. What I'd really like to talk about today is this whole concept of having an inbox for our work and how we can make sense of the things that end up up in there. Um, because not everyone has the same conception of workload. Not everyone has the same view of maybe where their work comes from. And I'm really aware that we have a huge diversity of listeners around the world, all doing different jobs. At the same time, we all need to get our arms around our work and plan it to some extent and to decide what we're going to do on any given day. In a previous episode, we talked about kind of the futility of trying to stay on top of our email because incoming email isn't something we've got control over. So trying mm. to make sure that we've got an empty inbox is a little bit like trying to empty a well with a teaspoon. You know, it's going to keep refilling faster than we can empty it. So what, what I advocate, and I'm not the only person to do this, but I really advocate that we have a separate inbox that consists of tasks that we can do so that we can look at that to know or make decisions about what am I going to do today? What am I going to do next? And uh, ideally, that's where the majority of our focus is, is on this inbox, which I'll describe in a little bit more detail, but rather than what's the last thing to pop up on my screen. Does that make yeah, sense? Um, yes. I mean, you, you said you were going to describe it later because I was going to ask you whether the inbox was like an email inbox or, or just uh, or something else, or if it's a metaphor, but I will let you get on with it at your own pace. Well, I, actually, it, it, you know, I think the most important thing, so if listeners stop listening here, the most important thing I want you to know <laughs> is that it's not your email inbox. Okay. Uh, because um, we, need, we need something else. We need either a digital inbox, uh, which could be in a task management application, or, or it could be a physical inbox, you know, on our desk where we're putting in post-it notes and scraps of paper and ideas and, and, and all that kind of thing. And, you know, the term inbox comes from those physical boxes that people used to have on their desk where it enabled them to visualize very clearly what work was to be done that day. And when work was processed, it went into an outbox. Um, now, very few people work in that way still, but there's something to be said for being able to say, these are the things to be done today and knowing when they're done. It can give us a real sense of accomplishment and satisfaction rather than continually surfing this wave of electronic messages that are coming our way. Mm -hmm. Nice. So uh, where are you going to start? <laughs> well, I think one of the, the really rich veins of conversation I had a few weeks ago was about the need for another inbox. And First of all, it can sound like more work. You know, why do I need to maintain mm. another space? We, we've all got lots of, of those. 
First of all, as we've said, not all work comes at us via our email. We may be asked to do things verbally, you know, at a meeting, or it might be discussed on video. It might be that um, there are instant messenger uh, channels like Slack. It might be a text message, a voicemail. So if we're only paying attention to our email inbox, we're neglecting these other things. And these other things are the kind of things that, that can give you that thumping noise in your chest when you realize late at night, I haven't done anything about that voicemail, or I completely forgot to call that person back. So making sure that we're paying attention to all of the sources, all of the channels where work can arrive at us. Um, it's also really useful to be able to see all of our tasks, all of the demands being asked of us in one place. That gives us even if it can feel a little bit overwhelming, we then know the limits of it at any given time and we can decide what we want to do with that. What we often have to deal with and what many people find overwhelming is their email inbox is the tip of the iceberg um, because there's all of that other stuff they haven't turned into tasks yet. And so there's a vague rumbling of worry and stress in the background. Getting it all together in one place quantifies it or enables us to be a little bit more exact about it. And there's a very practical point here that if you're living out of your email inbox, every time you open email to see what was I going to do today, well, there's another deluge of email coming yeah. your way, each of which has the potential to distract you, right? Yeah. And it, it, and also to give you that impression even more that you were saying that this is a never-ending thing. And also the loss of control, like if you keep seeing stuff coming in, that, that also can, it would definitely make me feel like, hang on, I am not in control at all. Exactly. And there's always a balance to be struck here. So please don't end this episode, listener, imagining <laughs> I'm saying don't look at your email. No. Or, you know, that's happened to me before people have said oh, that no. in workshops. It, no, it, no. It, it's striking a balance and saying, look, if I'm going to get the work required of me or implied by the email, at some point I need to stop looking at that inbox and do the work. And, and we need to have a, a certain element of self-control there and deal with the FOMO of, well, I'm not looking at my email, what could be in there, bringing our focus to bear on the work that we've been asked to do. And of course, you know, having an inbox means that everything that comes our way can go in there because as we discussed previously, when we looked at knowledge management, we don't remember everything that we encounter uh, when it comes to information. We re might remember we've had a conversation with a colleague, but do we remember every aspect of that and every question they asked us? Or do we even remember what we promised them we would do? So it, it helps us avoid relying on our memory. Even if this external inbox is, is really busy, at least it's all in there and we know what we're dealing with. And of course, if you think about a typical email, or if you think about a meeting in your calendar, each one of those sources could result in multiple tasks to be done, multiple actions you've been given. And each one of those might vary in its importance, its impact, its urgency, uh, the, the deadline, and so on. So remembering that there's an email in the inbox that needs in inverted commas, dealing with, is much less helpful than, well, that email asked me to do five things and those five things are in my inbox and I know mm -hmm. when I need to do them by. So it's, it's giving us a, a better grain of detail about the work. And 
I think the most important thing is that what we're doing here is giving ourselves a better understanding of our workload. And anything that we can do to move in that direction is helpful, both in terms of prioritizing, but also moving away from this ongoing sense of being busy all the time. Does that make sense? Yes, completely. And it's making, it's reminding me of the conversation that we had before you were on holiday. <laughs> so not sure if you'll remember, mm-hmm. uh, but we had the conversation about the no- personal knowledge management, which was really mm-hmm. the concept was seeing everything we've got and actually making sure that it's accessible to us in a way for when we need it and a way that makes sense to us. And in a way, this is reminding me of that, the way you were explaining all the uh, requests and input that is coming into us and making sure that we take it, assimilate it and put it in a way that makes sense to us. Exactly so. So personal knowledge management is about extracting information that's useful to us now or in the future or that we want to just acquire for some reason. And this this inbox, because it is a metaphor most of the time, it's a digital inbox, is a way of saying, well, everything in there is something I need to do. And that's that's a form of clarity. Even if it's all too much to be done today or by you, you can then make decisions about it. And that's much more helpful, I think, to most people than um, waiting for the next email to come in or jumping on the next notification where that's much more like a stimulus response relationship, much less a considered intentional relationship with our work. So you've already given us some examples, but uh, what kind of things would go in this inbox? So I I think one of the most important things um, when we're working with another inbox, so let's imagine it is a task management app and we're saying, I'm going to put tasks in this application. It, It helps us move away from an automatic reflex to work that comes our way, an automatic yes Mm. or an automatic confirmation that we're going to go to that meeting or that we agree with what's being asked. Because we have to, as I'll elaborate in a minute, we kind of have to translate requests into something that's actionable. And it might be that someone sends us a one-line email, but that implies or we understand it such that we, we might have three, four, five things to do. Um, in order to get that done. So, you know, we're, we're putting stuff in there that's being asked of us that comes from whatever channel it, it might be. It might be stuff that we think, well, that's interesting, but I don't need it right now. And I'm going to archive that in some way, you know, get it out of the way. Maybe back to personal knowledge management, maybe it goes into a notes application of some description. Some of it is just nonsense, right? Um, Whether that's, I don't need to read any further. I've seen that this really isn't intended for me, or this is spam. This is um, something I should have unsubscribed from a long time ago. Um, I'll give you a really good example. Mm. I moved home. And in our previous home, the management company in our building had an email list. And of course, we requested to get off that list. And here we are months later, still getting those emails (laughs) from that company. And, you know, I don't want to know what they're doing to the building I used to live in. It's of no interest to me. The annoyance is it's the same company that is the management company for our new building. So each Uh, one that comes in, I have to look at it and go, wait, is this of relevance to me? Or not. And mm. this is the kicker. Like many people who write emails, they don't write it in a way that gives you a clue early enough that it is for you, that it is relevant to you. 
emails are, are, are often not written in a way that directs action. They're written in a way that we have to somehow interpret them. And we need some kind of Rosetta Stone to help us. Say, well, what do they mean by this? But the, 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 the stuff that come towards us, the work, the demands that come towards us, it's not all equal in its relevance. It's not all equal in the workload that it's asking of us. So anything that we can do to shuffle through that, to sort through it, and to take from it actionable tasks makes our life um, at work more bearable, to be frank. So my inbox um, is, is at the top of my list. These are things that are from my clients, legitimate client messages and questions. Those things get a priority. Um, that might be about a, a project we're running at the moment, a development program or a training program. It might be about future work. It might be about um, a request to respond to a tender for, for other work. Those things, you know, with practice, you recognize the name, you recognize the tone immediately. You think, right, I need to do something about this today. But as we've discussed before, there's also lots of newsletters and there's spam. And they're two different things. Because newsletters, at some point we ask to get them and maybe at some point we think, no, I don't want that one anymore and I can unsubscribe and hopefully that will be respected. But spam is never asked by us. They're sort of taking the fishing trawler approach to email and hoping that someone will bite. That gets binned. That gets blocked. Now, what also comes in, I think it's really useful to think about these in a slightly different way, is being invited to meetings. Because we have limited time in any working week. Um, and sometimes meeting invitations are issued in a almost automatic way involving far too many people for far too much time. And it can be easy in one sense to say, oh, that's an invitation, I'm free, I'll accept that. It takes more work, but it's more useful to say, do I want, do I need to attend that? Is that a good use of my time? Are the right people there? Is there an agenda? Do I even know what we're going to be doing? Or might this person be calling a meeting because they're feeling a bit lonely? Or they just like to talk about their projects? So it really is about making sense of actually what's this about and does it require me? And might I suggest 30 minutes and not 60? And then there are the other things that are invitations of a sort, but they're to maybe larger events like a conference or a training program. And for those things, it's about translating it into, okay, well, that, that has piqued my interest. It's not definitely not urgent for me to do something about, but I will have to check my, my schedule to see if that's something I can attend rather than is this a meeting I want to go to. That was my attempt to sort of high-level categorize this stuff that comes at me. And that's just the work channels. That, that omits all of the personal life stuff. So you can see, just by having a look at the kinds of things that come your way, you can identify a categorization. And that could be helpful to start looking at the, the patterns of things that come at you so you can make better decisions as to what you want to do with them. Is that, mm. is that a helpful way of looking at it? Yes, and you can and I suppose that now the next stage is, okay, I understand what's coming in. And also, I suppose I understand what my engagement with each type is. You know, like you're saying, uh, newsletters, mm -hmm. uh, stuff that's coming in. Also, I think newsletters are always so interesting because I always put them to read later, and I never do. <laughs> so, some, but, but sometimes I don't want to unsubscribe. I, I don't know. There's, but, but that's quite an interesting thing as well, that there's we have connection with stuff that comes to us where there's lots of 
levels of engaging with it. And there's also lots of things that we think we're expected to do. And then, yeah, sometimes you might not want to um, engage with an email thread or something, but you think, well, if I, I, maybe I should say that I've received it, or maybe I should reply because if I don't reply, the, the thing is that the, because mm-hmm. the emails are sent by people, I think is what I'm trying to get, that we also have that relationship thing in the mix. I, I think I'm overcomplicating it, but does that make any sense? It absolutely does. And I think a, a trap that's easy for many of us to fall into is feeling a sense of obligation when it comes yeah. to messages. And one of the most illuminating light bulb moments I've had in years was when I read someone describe email as other people's to-do lists. Hmm. Because most of it is requests of you. Many of those requests aren't appropriate or aren't relevant or even realistic. So for example, the number of emails I get, and it's not a sign of anything except I think I'm on some email lists somewhere, some databases, but the number of emails I get where, where people are asking me to do something for free, you know, mm. w- with, with no indication that it's a- of any benefit to me. And the, there used to be a part of me that would respond saying, oh, thank you so much. It's so nice of you to ask, but I'm unable. And now I say, you, you know what, by the time I finish doing that, I've missed out on doing something much more important, much more relevant to the commitments I've already made. Now, um, automatic responses can be useful or, or um, pre-written responses can be useful so we can copy and paste them into those kinds of things. But I have also found that if you leave those to die on the vine, the, the volume does reduce over time. I, I think we actually encourage some of this by responding to it, but to each their own. Um, if, if you want to be super polite, absolutely. I've just found that personally to be something that really eats in to the time I have available to deal with yeah, the, the really important client work I want to do. Yeah, I think there's always a, a, a sense that you start to get when it's happening. When the same thing is happening to you, you also start to develop a gut feeling of what you should do with those kind of messages as well, I think. So talking about what to do with those kind of messages, is there like something we could used to simplify our decision-making around the, what we do with them. So again, there's, there's no perfect way of dealing with this, given the complexity of information that comes our way. Um, you know, for example, if someone sends you a document and says, oh, I, I, I'm sure you'd be interested in reading this, it's, there's a case of, well, do I know this person? Does the title of the document look relevant? And, and then maybe like you, oh, I should keep this for reading at a later stage and will I ever get around to it? So what I do when I, when I run training courses on productivity related themes, I share a short framework uh, with people. I'm just going to run through that now because people find it helpful. Mm. Now it's not rules. You can deviate from this as much as you like, but it sort of covers what we need to do to take this fire hose of information and turn it into actionable tasks that we can then actually do the work on. The first of these has been implied all the way through this conversation. By having a central inbox for our work, which is not our email inbox, we're doing the first of these, which is to gather, gathering everything in one place. Then we know what we're dealing with. And, And that, of course, may require us to write more or to type more. We look at an email and that one email might have five tasks. Those five tasks need to be gathered together into 
the inbox. But gathering is really useful because then we're not wondering, have I forgotten something? Is there a post-it note lying somewhere? Or have I made a verbal promise that I'm not aware of? If we begin just with this most important point that all of my work, all of my commitments, all of my tasks go in one place, then we know what we're dealing with. And as I said, that can bring a, a sort of peace of mind. Uh, it, maybe it's not relaxing, but at least you've quantified everything that needs to be done then. Now, as you know, when you're asked to do something, you also need to translate that so that you know what you're working with, what, what's required of you. So after gather, we need to review. What that means is to, to look at something and make sense of it. Often requests are, can you sort out X or can you get onto Y and ask them about Z? Actually, we need to turn those into tasks. And it might be that someone says sort out or finish off. Well, that's a whole bundle of tasks. So one of the first things is to review, make sense, restate the work so that when you look at it in a day or a week or a month, it still makes sense to you. And this is the optimal time to decide, is this a task or is this actually a group of tasks, which is in effect a project? This is one of the most important things, because as we've said before, when we looked at the difficulties of task management, if your list of to-dos for the day consists of massive projects, it's very uh, difficult <laughs> to get your head around that, to know where to start and not feel overwhelmed. So after gathering everything and we review it to say, these are the multiple tasks, this is actually a project, that's fine, I know what the next, the next task is. The next thing we need to do for those tasks is assign them values. So it could be to assign a priority, assign a deadline. Maybe we've been given it, maybe we decide when it is. We assign it, it may be um, a critical context, like this is something I need to do when I'm talking with that person, or this is something I can only do when I'm in my office, for example. Yeah. And we might also, when we look at this, assign it to another person. We're delegating it. We've figured out that this is something that is urgent and important and needs doing today, and this person on my team could do it while I do these other things. Again, this helps us move away from automatic yes or just having a, 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 an a email inbox that's a bit like a car crash of things that we're working through in order. Now, once we've got that clarity, so gather, review, assign, gives us clarity, gives us a plan, we then need to do those things. This is hopefully implied by everything we've been talking about, but while we're doing, we're focusing. We're focusing on those things and trying to avoid keeping one eye on Slack, one eye on our email, one eye on our mobile phone. We've committed to doing these things. So this is about focus. This is about one at a time doing these things, clearing that inbox of tasks, periodically going back to see what am I missing, who's asking me what, but, but make you know, following through on those commitments. And yes, it sounds basic, but it's quite tricky for many of us, especially knowledge workers, to focus on these things, make progress on these things, while the world around you continues to tick on. The final of these five is to evaluate. And that means just to pause on a regular basis to figure out, is this working for me? Am I, for instance, regularly forgetting things? Am I maybe overcommitting on a given day? Am I over-optimistic? Something I regularly see, and I do do it myself from time to time, is on a hmm. Friday, run out of steam and say, you know what, I'll do that on Monday. And then 
come in on Monday and I go, God damn it, Richard, why did you think you'd have all this energy on Monday? You know, but to review and, and evaluate and say, do I need to make changes to this system? Uh, is there something I've learned about my way of working or the people in my working life that can help me uh, improve this approach? So gather, review, assign, do, evaluate. The acronym is GRADE, G-R-A-D-E. And it's just an easy way to avoid things living in your inbox and never getting progress on or having a list of projects on your to-do list and you're not moving them forward or simply feeling stuck like there's too much to do. We're bringing detail, we're bringing proactivity, we're bringing intention and we're carving all of that stuff into executable, actionable tasks. That's the ideal anyway. And then is the idea that we use this, uh, and, and, and I'm going to ask you in a second of where we start, uh, you, you know, what was the first thing that listeners can do, but is the idea we use this, but we are seeing not just the stuff that's coming in through our email inbox, but also all those other channels that you mentioned. And we then, so those are all the channels that, uh, where information and communication is coming through, they will exactly. eventually go through this. Is that right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. A anything, even the, the dreaded post-it notes someone has left on your desk while you were away with a request, hmm. you know, that goes in. Or, or, and the stuff that occurs to us, you know, oh. seeing a task could remind us of a related task or a similar task on a different project and go, oh, yeah, I need to do that as well. It's a great uh, space to put all of this stuff. Now, the way I've described that, it sounds like, oh, I need to go through these steps. Oh, wow, this is so difficult. Why would I do this? I describe them as discrete steps because for many people, it's about learning that each of these is important. But actually, with practice, what you do is as you're gathering, you're reviewing and assigning. You're looking at it and you know from reflection this is urgent and important because of who it's for. It's got to be done today and it's going to get this, this kind of priority. And that you know by looking at other things, this doesn't need looking at anytime soon. I'll put it on the back burner, but I do want to be aware of it and I'll set a reminder for 30 days. So while I've got these steps as separate with practice, you, you kind of do it um, in a much more efficient way. I hope that makes sense. You know, with, yeah, with and practice more makes it easier. Mm -hmm. I think the bit that's important to remember, I mean, hopefully they're all important to remember, but is to <laughs> periodically step back and go, is this working? And, and of course, you can shape this to suit your job, your environment, your colleagues, your clients. But the principles there are the important ones, putting it all in one place and making sense of it rather than responding to things in real time and losing sight of the priorities. So if you want to make a start on this, if this has piqued your interest and you think this is me, um, what do you need to do to, to make a start? Well, I think that the first thing that, that you can start to do is to start looking at your day at work and identify where are all the channels that work comes at me. You know, virtually everyone's using email to some extent, but are there instant messenger apps, uh, meetings where actions get sent to you. Maybe you're in an environment where people just issue lots of verbal requests or, or the phone. Starting with, okay, here are all the ways people could ask me to do things. That's a really good start because it means that you're less likely to ignore some of them and overemphasize others. 
The next is to identify a place you're going to put all of your tasks and projects. It could be a notebook. It could be a physical box. It could be a task management app. And we've, we've spoken about that before. And I'll put li- uh, links to the, the relevant episodes um, in the show notes. But one of the advantages of the digital approach is that it's so much easier to update and move things around than it is with pen and paper. But, you know, there are different perspectives on that. I will definitely agree. Then once you've got that, you can start practicing this grade approach. Practice, practice until actually it's a well-oiled engine of as soon as something comes in, I know what to do with it. Rather than when that comes in, I'm going to look at it later. What that means is all you're doing is it's a bit like someone hands you a piece of paper and you put it down and you keep picking it up and say, well, I must do something with this piece of paper and you're picking it up and putting it down. With these requests for work, we're trying to process them in a way that we say, I'm going to do something with it or I'm not going to do something with it almost immediately and I know what I'm going to do with it and by when and who it involves. So practicing that but also making adjustments to it so that it works for you in your local uh, environment, in your context. The number one thing, though, I'm going to call it out again, is making sure that you're differentiating between tasks and projects. Um, This is actually where the conversation on training a few weeks ago started. You know, why does it matter if if I don't know the difference between a task and a project? I still need to get the work done. Well, the point is we keep getting interrupted. So we need to know where we are in making progress in that project. We might need to delegate part of it. We might need to wait on other people to do bits of it. So the more specific we can be about the work to be done, the more, the less likely we, we will be knocked off course or confused when we come back to it after an interruption. And practicing that can, can give you a whole different perspective on the benefits of having this uh, inbox that is not your email inbox. I think that's so crucial. <laughs> I know, I know I'm, I'm not adding much to, to the conversation, but I think that having that place where you go to to see what's next, that is not the email inbox. Um, and it's a very difficult thing habit to break if that's what you've been doing for a while. It definitely is. And, uh, you know, that, that FOMO, that discomfort mm. of while I'm doing this, I don't know what's happening in email, that, that's tough. But remember at the same time, I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb and say your job title is not email inbox haver. It, it is something else. It's project manager. It's team leader. It's whatever it is. You're there to do the work, not to treat your email inbox like um, you know a, a tidy kitchen <laughs> or something <laughs> similar. Yeah, and and of course there's going to be exceptions if you're working in customer service or things I'm like solving other people's problems, but. For the vast majority of people, this is a trap that's difficult to extract ourselves from. And one of the first steps from that is periodically shutting down the email, turning to the tasks, realizing this is what needs to be done, and and starting off in that direction without relying on the email. We did a, it just strikes me, it's not in my notes, but it just strikes me that we did um, a meetup. Um, on the community a few months ago about getting started with mm-hmm. using one of these apps, Todoist, and the recording of that is on the YouTube channel. So I will link to that as well. If you don't use apps like this or you're just looking for a few pointers on how to make sense of work and organize work like this, I'll put a link to the show notes. You can have a look at that. Pilar, yes. anything to add before we wrap up today? Uh 
No, not really. I think that was uh, all very clear and compact, just like a well-curated inbox. Oh, well, excellent. Thank you. <laughs> I hope it's given everyone a pause for thought. Maybe you are an inbox expert as a listener. Please get in touch with your thoughts on this, your questions. You can contact us on Twitter at MyPocketPsych, or you can send us an email, podcast at worklifepsych.com. We love to hear from people. Um, and even if it's just to say, I listened and I'm trying to do some of this, or um, I listened and it matches what I do, or this is nonsense and here's why. We just love to hear from you. So get in touch with that. We look forward to um, sharing some more insights on the next episode. But for now, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com/contact. Thanks for listening. <laughs>